Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. I'm going to start today's episode and first share something really important. In this episode with my guest, Steve Simpson, who is an author and speaker and advocate for suicide survivors, um, I want you to know that we're going to talk about it. We're going to have a conversation about it, and we're going to discuss suicide. It's something that, as you know, if you have listened to this show for any period of time, I've dealt with, members of my family I've dealt with, my community, my friends. It is something that happens in this world. 
And if you are in this position or place in your life where you feel suicidal, you feel like there's no hope, like there's nothing left, I promise you that there is. It may not seem like it right now. And trust me, like I fucking get that. Like life can be incredibly difficult and hard and sad and melancholic and feel like there's nothing to live for. But I promise you that there is and that you are not alone in this. And if you are in a place in your life where you need support, I want to recommend that you reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that phone number is 800 273 8255. And the reason why I want you to reach out to that number is because they are there to support you. You are not alone. Even though your thoughts may be dark, I promise you I've had them too. I promise you that people that you know have, this is not something you have to struggle with by yourself. And so again, if you're in this place in your life where you feel like you need help, you need support, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 800 273 Five five. As for today's show, I'm very honored to bring on my guest, Steve Simpson, who is an author, a speaker, and just an amazing human being with an incredibly tragic and yet beautiful story, who I hope that you will find empowerment and hope and joy and happiness and even some smiles with his silly jokes as we go through. And it's one of my favorite episodes because it's just such a beautiful testament to what our lives can be, even if we come through childhood trauma and abuse. So without any further ado, my friends, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal and company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. We'll be right back to the show. But before we do, I want to take a moment and tell you about my new book, Unbroken Man, A Man's Guide to Being the Hero of Their Own Story. I sat down a few months ago and realized that there are so many men in the world that need guidance, that need support, that need to learn about trauma, removing themselves from toxic masculinity, breaking down the barriers to vulnerability, getting unstuck, and ultimately learning the tools to become the hero of their own story. Unbroken Man is available for pre-order right now if you go to men.thinkunbroken.com where you'll also get access to over $1,000 in bonuses, including the six-week in-depth trauma healing coaching app, which you'll get instant access to. I created Unbroken Man to be accessible to everyone around the world, but it is written for men from the guise of a man, and I hope that you will find it to be a practical tool on your healing journey in the same way that thousands of men around the world have. So check out men.thinkunbroken.com thinkunbroken.com to pre-order. And until next time, be unbroken. 
Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Steve Simpson. For over 30 years, Steve has run a youth adult group called Together We Can Make It, is an author and an incredible speaker. Steve, my friend, it is an honor to have you on the show today. What is happening in your world? A lot of exciting things, actually. By the way, I'm honored to be here with you as well. Awesome. And it's all my pleasure, I assure you. Steve, for those who do not know you, I'd love if you give us a little bit of backstory and how you got to where you are today. So let's start right off the old childhood, okay? We're talking first, second, third grade. Michael, you heard of an A student? You yeah. heard of an A student? Okay, I was a Z student, okay? I was the opposite of an A student. If there was a test, I was going to fail it. If there was a class, I was getting thrown out of it. Whether it be fight, would be making jokes, made a lot of jokes. And the teachers would even laugh sometimes, except for some reason that made them twice as angry at me. I go, but you laughed. Um, always failing, always for my lowest grade was a negative 20. And you can say, how do you get a negative 20? Well, what I used to, again, we're talking grammar school now. I had this notion that if a kid had really good grades, if he was smart, he had the best home life. Now, I was wrong, and we'll discuss that during this interview. But in my head back then, I was jealous of these kids, not because they really had the great grades, because my life was so messed up and hurtful, and I thought they had great lives. So what I would do is, during the test, I like to mess the kid up halfway through the test, right on his test, push his hand or her hand, whatever it's going to be. And then, of course, they had a grade, they'd start crying or they got all angry. And I did it once, and the teacher said, get back in your seat, and whatever you get, I'm taking up 20 points. And I thought I was going to show her. I said, not going to even try. Write zero. And instead, she wrote negative 20. And she said, now you're going to need anywhere from 90s and even 100s on your next test to pass. And I said back then, I will never in my lifetime get anything in the 90s or 100s, ma'am. Uh, now, what was the deal with me? I would still want to pass, but I would try to figure out how to cheat. I'd probably spend twice as long figuring out how to cheat than most kids did studying. My kids, my friends would say to me, why don't you just study? It would take half the time. And I would say, what's the use? So I believed if I studied, I'd fail anyway. I thought I was stupid. I thought I was a failure. I thought I was unwanted. Now, why all these thoughts? Is that my, I had an alcoholic father who was very abusive, physically and verbally. And as far as the physical stuff, I like to say he had what I call a snap temper, where he could be talking like we're talking and just out of nowhere, hit you, push you, throw something at you and go in a rage. Um, and, but to me personally, the physical stuff was horrible because I was always not knowing. Like I always say I would eat as fast as possible to get away from the dinner table. To this day, I still eat fast. My friends are always like, yo, man, slow down. <laughs> so, um, but that was my escape mechanism to get away. But it's the verbal abuse that caused me to be broken. It's constantly hearing since I was born, didn't want you, failure, stupid. A lot of curses I'm not going to say, but worse than the curses, though, were the sentences, okay, of you're never going to do anything, and look at you, of course you failed again. And that's why my mindset is. That's all I knew, okay? So I figured this has got to be true. I would cut school in those early grades. I got away with it because no one dreamed I was actually cutting it at that early grade. But you know where I would go to? I'm going to show you the epitome of a low self-esteem. I would go to the local library. We had two libraries where I lived. There was a smaller one, quieter one. I'd go to that one. What would I do there? I'd read books, and I'd always walk up to the librarian and say, can I have a pen and paper? And most of them, they'd give me a pad and some pen. And I would write, even since a boy, 
short stories, poems, proses. I didn't know the core proses back then, but I was writing them. And look at this picture of this now. Here's a young kid cutting school in grammar school, but he's going out and he's reading. And I look back now beyond my, the average reading comprehension of a child that age and writing. That's the epitome of a low self-esteem. Things just kind of get worse and worse. I always blame myself for my father's drinking because I was told that. Most people who live in alcoholic homes will relate to this. You get told this is your fault. Or this is because of you. And I believe that. I remember times where he was so drunk, he couldn't even talk. But he'd look at me and point. And I know I meant that meant your fault. So from the time I was 11 years old on, I, I started thinking and tried suicide, by the way. Think about it all the time, tried it. And I always say, I didn't want to die. I just don't want to live. Now, you might say, that's the same exact thing, man. No, it's not. I had no idea what it was like being dead because I was never dead before. But I did know what it was like being alive. And it was pain. It was suffering. And I honestly thought, and this is key, it was never going to get better. See, I, mean, I thought I was dumb. But if I really knew it was going to get better, I went to thought of killing myself. But I, I was convinced it's not getting better. And this went on by the time I was 12. Started running away here and there. I was what you call a couch surfer, which means I hang out at friends' houses, stay overnight, and so on. Um, skipping over a lot of long stuff back then. Moved a lot of neighborhoods. Custody battles and my parents when they started to separate. But eventually, one of the parents of kids I stayed over called Protective Services. And uh, I eventually ended up in foster home. Uh, I was in two foster homes, one for a month and one for a year. I could only say wonderful things about these foster parents. I know there's a lot of negative things about foster parents out there, but in my case, I only had wonderful experience. They were just caring people who just really wanted to help out children who had nowhere to stay. Because understand something, foster homes is not for uh, criminals. or ju It's not juvie. It's for, for a child where the parents are messed up. There's something going on in the house that's abusive. They cannot live in that house anymore. Now, as you can imagine, accompanying that, you had to go to therapy. Now social services is in charge. And I had, and I also joined a self-help group. To me, that was that was everything. And I go into this group, I'm 13 years old. And one of the first things I discover is there's smart kids there. And I remember saying, what are you doing here? And one of them laughed and said, I'm okay, Steve, how are you? She says, you'll figure it out. Well, some of these kids tried suicide more times than I thought about it. Okay. And they had miserable lives, uh, even though they had the grades. And um, that was a revelation for me because they started saying that their alcoholic parent was calling them the same things my father was calling me. Now I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Me? I'm the most hated kid amongst the teachers. Okay. You, you're a teacher's pet. You're a dream for a parent. That's the point. And this was, you know, viewers, listeners to hear this. It was nothing to do with me, what I did, what I didn't do, whether I was a smart student, a bad student, whether I was a male, whether I was female, whatever I was or identified myself, whether someone's straight, whether someone's gay, it's not you. An abuser doesn't abuse you because of what you are, who you are, or what you do. They convince us it is. An abuser abuses you because they're an abuser, and they're going to abuse any kid. So if these other kids were my father's kid, he would have done the same thing to them. That, to me, was such a revelation. And then all the guilt, because I found out you can't make an alcoholic drink. He was drinking before I was born, before I was born. You can't make your parents get divorced. That's between them. And then here's the big thing now, Michael. Uh, I was, they used to write different.
meetings up every week. And I, I started doing that. And some of the kids said, hey, I can't write like this. This is like really great. Like, how come you're not doing great in school? And I thought, because I'm stupid. You can't be stupid and write like this. They actually taught me how to study. <laughs> I didn't know how to study. And bit by bit, first ended up within that year on the honor roll. I went from failing to passing to passing on honor roll. By the next year, guess what? I was getting 90s. <laughs> pulled off 100 average on two topics in two quarters. Um, remember I said I would never do that in my lifetime. Uh, National Junior Honor Society. Joined wrestling just to keep me busy. Always had a winning record. Joined track for fun. I can run fast. Got the equivalent. We call it the black letter. It was the MVP for the track team. But here's the best part, and I laugh it to this day. They made me student of the month. Now, not just for my class, for the entire, it was eighth grade then, the entire grade. They hung my picture up. For one month, saying, be like him, model student. I used to walk by that picture and laugh because only two years before that, that same picture would be a dartboard in the teacher's faculty room. Okay. What changed? Nothing. I was the same person I was. When I was picking on the smart kids, I was one of them. I just didn't know that. And as you would say, that became my unbrokenness, my brokenness turning into being unbroken for myself. Uh, didn't take school as long. I just didn't finish school. I should have still regret to this day, but that self-esteem, that confidence has made me successful in the business world. Um, as you know, uh, multi-published author, four books in print now, uh, and been doing what we're doing here for most of my life at this point, whether it's media, whether it's in schools, uh, sharing my experience and hope. Um, and, uh, and again, like I said, to me, self-esteem was everything for me. Uh, I, I give most of my life trying to make others aware, like we're doing right now, the hope, because unfortunately, many people continue their lives and think they're stupid or they're a failure. And it's like a, that voice inside their head, unfortunately, that really came from an alcoholic and abusive parent. Um, and as far as suicide, I want to throw, kick something out there, too. Um, as far as suicide, uh, you know, for those there, for your audience, um, I have um, known many people because of my volunteer work, my travels, who was, including myself, who, who either tried suicide or thought about it. I did both, thought about it and tried it. And for those who of us who tried it and lived, survived it like I did, uh, not 90%, not 95%, 100% of us are glad we never died. Why? Things always got better somehow, some way. Now, if you're in school, I say go to the school social worker um, uh, because they, oh, I always just say, I know what they're going to say. I know what they're going to say. I was wrong. Okay. They said a lot of things I didn't know about. They would help uh, counseling. There's community centers, churches, not be a religion you even belong to. But a lot of churches have self-help groups, 12-step programs, sometimes parish outreach programs. So those are also um, a great uh, avenue, a place to get help from. And I recommend highly get it, get the help. Uh, things get better so much faster than you think. I'm going to add a little thing that most people go, really? Um, when I was getting better, I got into volunteer work at a young age and helping other kids and stuff. So I'm going to recommend also whatever, whether you're in therapy, self-help group, combination, um, do some volunteer work somewhere. Because even though you might say, how am I going to help other people when I need help? That's the point. Uh, it gives self-esteem. It gives self-worth. I know in 12-step programs, I think they call it service, and uh, it helped me. By a second, I started helping other people. I, I grew even better self-esteem. I was able to help take my experiences and help other kids out.
Yeah, I, I love that, Stephen. That's quite the journey. You know, it's funny. There's so many parallels between your experience and mine. Um, I found myself skipping school and going to the library in part because they had air conditioning and heat, but also because I liked being in the, the solitude. It always felt safe. And I think that also has played a role in me being a writer and an author and, and, and the whole nine. One of the things that you alluded to that I, I think is really phenomenal is being willing to, to show up for yourself, even at such a young age. And I recall years and years ago, someone told me, Hey, when you're at your lowest, go and volunteer, go and be of service. And I have found that to be such an incredible part of my mission and my journey. I mean, that's really what Think Unbroken is, right? It's about us giving people the tools to create massive change in their life. I also grew up, you know, the the child of alcoholics. And I think growing up as a child of alcoholics, the effects of that, and then also like the tie-in of bullying carries so much weight. And I know many people who are listening to the Unbroken Nation, they also resonate with our stories, having alcoholic parents, parents who were bullies, you know, maybe even a sibling, things of that. And it tends to carry so much weight in their life. And even to this day where they're just... There, maybe it's a stuckness or a sadness or a longing or regret or feeling guilty or victimized. And so what I'm really curious about here, Steve, talk to us about how someone starts to really take their life back, especially after being a child of an alcoholic. Well, I think one of the key things is this. First off, for me anyway, is that I blame myself. And so this is just me. This is just it wasn't just me. It was the traits of being a child of an alcoholic. Always thinking that you're wrong. Uh, if you have a fight with someone, it's always your fault. Always your fault. Even if you're hanging out with friends and they get in the fight, you feel guilty. Somehow you started. Somehow you could have stopped it. So if you recognize your traits, if you do accomplish something, most children of alcoholics or victims of child abuse, uh, you never give yourself the credit. If someone says that was a great job, you think of instantly in your head all the things you didn't do right. You might even say, well, yeah, I did that, but I could have done that. And I could have done that. And I should have done that. You can't even accept a compliment. You can't even say thank you, you know, for the compliment. So for me, the first thing is to realize this is not who you are, okay? This is just a symptom of what you lived with, being a victim of abuse, being a child of an alcoholic. So that's the first major step. That means if it's not who I am and if it's just a symptom, then I don't have to continue to think this way. I have to continue to be this way. And that is so important. Whether your method is therapy, whether your method is reading books on the topic, whether your method is, um, again, self-help groups or a combination, okay? But it is important to do that. Again, I stress, I love self-help type of groups because the fact that you see other people, the same problem as you, you realize it's not just me. Uh, and that, that's critical uh, in that one because it even affects your relationships. Many children alcoholics, we, we get into relationships we get into abusive, like we get abused by people, again, physically or verbally. Uh, even something simple when you have friends, you never ask for what you want. It's always the movie they want to see because you don't want to get them angry. It may not be your friend if you get them angry. Always that people pleasing, always that trying to, you know, do the right thing because you might lose the person, that fear of abandonment. So, again, a part of my, you would say, recovery, you might say, was to build that self-esteem and say, you know what, the person's going to love me for who I am or they're not. You know, and it's okay to make mistakes. You said the wrong thing one day to a friend, you apologize. Real friendships don't fall apart over that. I, I tell you something. When I was in foster care, one of the major things that I, I, I realized was it wasn't that the parents didn't fight. That wasn't the case. 
It was what they did when they argued. See, it wasn't a fight. It was a disagreement. It was an argument. They didn't go to DEFCON 4. Okay, they didn't start cursing each other out, saying hurtful things to each other, horrible things. They didn't threaten each other. And they certainly didn't physically go after each other. And that was a lesson for me. Because in healthy relationships, that stuff's not supposed to happen. And we do find ourselves, we live these lives, being in these hurtful relationships. Okay? And so, again, that that's some of the things I recommend to people heavily with that. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. you know, one of the things that was really fascinating for me I lived with 30 different families as a child, just getting bounced around, getting evicted, never actually in foster care, but being in foster homes, being in homes of church families, um, being in homes of strangers, the list goes on and on. And and seeing, I think one of the really incredible things, what you just alluded to was this idea that people could have conversation without violence. And I know that we as survivors and, and trauma warriors and people who have like picked their lives up trying to move forward, we can catch ourselves in one of those relationships where suddenly you're like, oh shit, this actually feels very similar. And I know that that's very commonplace. And and the word that comes to me when I think about that is this idea that like there is still hope available that you can shift that. You can have healthy relationships, not only with yourself, but with other people that are intimate and kind and loving and compassionate and, and have empathy involved in them. But I, I think, unfortunately, one of the things people hold on to, and this was my case for a very long time, was feeling like this is what I deserve. And feeling like I was carrying those scars and that because of those scars, I was still had all this pain. And so, Steve, what I'm, I'm wondering here is, you know, how can someone tap into hope in their life for things to be different, for for them ultimately to have these things that they always hear other people have that feel like a fantasy? But I'm going to say for myself personally, I know are a possibility. And I was wondering if you talk about the power of hope in this. Absolutely. I, I love what you said about deserve, because we tend to think I deserve this. I did, and it goes back to that self-esteem or maybe back to that tape playing of the alcohol parents saying you deserve it. Look what you did. You messed up. So I'm, I'm going to and I love that. Uh, and I'm going to say, uh, oh, by the way, like, for example, how many times you heard someone say every relationship I get in, it ends up being some abuser or some guy. I have the worst luck. It's not luck. It's not luck. Is we either are projecting something, and abusers do keen on people like that. They, they sniff us out, okay? Or we accept something, and we're showing that we accept it. Instead of on the first date saying, this is the first and last date, we can just continue. Because, well, at least they said something nice to me. You know, they might have been abusive in some other way. So I think hope, now, it's funny about hope, because I always think of the power of hope, and it is a power. Um, because without hope, you know, there are some times, look, there are some times, um, in my group that I run, I have an answer. You know, I'm like the old wise guy on the hill and I have the, you got to do this, you got And sometimes I don't have a specific answer to that problem. I just don't, not that day anyway. None of us do. But that's not the mission there. It's to give hope that things will always get better and they do, answers come. Sometimes God has you on a path you think is destructive and it's not, okay? Um, so for me, the number one thing I give is not to be always have this, but to give the person hope, okay? Because when you have hope, everything goes, then I'm fine. Uh, again, when I was younger, I wanted out because I lost all my hope. I didn't think it was getting better anymore, you know? I said, 11 years of this, that's enough, okay? Um, but so again, and I find hope is power, faith also. Whatever religion you are, that, that's, your, that's your business. But I do find for me, you know, uh, sometimes... 
I've said over the years, uh, I don't see how I'm getting through this. I don't see how I'm ever going to be happy again, whether I had a loss, maybe it was a death, maybe something collapsed around my life, one of those days, okay? Um, and uh, I said one of our personal earthquakes in our, <laughs> in our lives happened. And here's the key of hope and faith. I realize I might not see a way out of it, but God does. And he knows more than, he's smarter than me, knows more than me. I know in 12-step programs, one of the steps, I think, is came to be the power greater than ourselves. Can we store us to sanity? And I'm not on a 12-step program, by the way, but I love the steps. And I'm going to say that greater. And just because I can't see a way out of this doesn't mean there isn't a way out of this. And when I hold on to that, I'm still responsible for trying. I'm still responsible, again, for seeking out help. I'm still responsible for if I am in an abusive relationship or friendship or situation, I need to get out. And I don't deserve to get out of it. But I got to tell you something. So many times in my life when things, I, people tell me, Steve, this, this ain't not, not going to work out. Or for a friend of mine, I know why you're giving the hope, man. I, how is that going to work out for her? And guess what? It did work out. We'll be right back to this episode of the Think Unbroken podcast in just a moment. But I wanted to invite you to come and join the Think Unbroken Discord community. If you don't know about Discord, it's being built on Web3, which is a platform that we as the users get to own. So no more Instagram or Facebook or algorithms getting in the way of you seeing and, and being a part of content. In the Discord channel, we're going to grow this to hundreds of thousands of community members, hopefully over time. But today, it's small, it's close, it's intimate, where you'll be able to get access to live coaching with me, where you'll have chat with the Unbroken Nation community, where you can talk about a range of topics, anywhere from thinking about habits and growth mindset, goals, trauma, recovery, dating, relationships, career, accountability, business, meditation, feedback and more and so all you have to do is go to thinkunbroken.com slash discord that's thinkunbroken.com slash discord that's d-i-s-c-o-r-d to join the unbroken nation community maybe a different role than we thought but it did work out and i was happy again and i, I was able to move on again whether again it be a loss or a disappointment or even a mistake you know um part of hope too i gotta tell you something i just had this discussion too my group recently is humor, you know, laughing and, you know, and, uh, and even laughing at our own selves. And we all make mistakes. And I think part of the problem, too, is we define ourselves as those mistakes. We're not our mistakes. They're just things that we did. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But we define ourselves as that or the result of that. And that's false. You need to let it go and move on. And sometimes you just laugh at yourself. It's okay. Not make fun of yourself. I didn't say that laugh. Well, I can't believe I said that or I did that. All right. What you're going to do? Uh, and, and it's okay to have people laughing, not at you, but with you. And there is this difference. And just kind of moving on with that. Okay. And it's wonderful when you have people that can relate to you. And I got stressed groups because the fact that they can say, Steve, I did the same thing, man, two years ago. I did whatever, 10 years ago. And you just feel you're not the only one who does it. But it's so important. We see celebrities do that. They beat themselves up miserably sometimes over things they, they just don't get it's okay move on okay no mistake is going to devastate us so much we can't move on for it when you're you know, i always say to people think of a problem you had like five years ago and it consumed you and and, and all your time by now that, that mistake is history it's gone think of one you had 10 years ago think of things in my childhood that would occupy my constant thought those mistakes are history they don't exist they have no power over me 
And that's the key for hope. This, whatever you're going through, whatever problem you have, it will lose its power. It has to, that all things must pass and it will dissipate. And I think, I think sometimes we believe we're stuck in this mistake for the rest of our life. We will never be. It doesn't work that way. That's beautifully said. And I, I totally agree. I, I feel that in this journey, one of the things that we have to face that's true about our experience is that the things that happened to us in childhood, we are not culpable for. We do not take and we should not take responsibility for abuse, for homelessness, for violence, for any of those things. And yet, maybe it's through indoctrination or embedding or coercion, however you want to phase it, phrase it, excuse me, there is this keen sense of shame and guilt that is often tied to our experiences. And you talked about this idea of letting go. And I think from a hypothetical standpoint, that sounds very simple for many people, right? They're like, oh yeah, sure, great, Steve. I'm just gonna let go. But I I, I know for certain from my case and, and I believe for many others that letting go almost feels like there there's something deeper to it. And so what I'm curious about, Steve, in your journey and, and how you support people and together we can make it and with all the things that you do, how do you believe that someone can really let go of, of shame and guilt and that culpability that's actually not theirs? What does it look like to get to that place of actually letting go? Well, I, I, you said indoctrinated, and I relate to that because that's what I was just told. So it was a reflex for me to feel guilty. And and even if you, by the way, I'll stress to you too, even if we did something that Mike is the average person upset, you know, you, you, you turn wrong, you knocked over the dinner table, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Or, they have a right to be upset, but to abuse you over it, absolutely, positively not, okay? And we have to, and it's like a re-education almost. And I think for me, again, uh, it's, that's why therapy is so important to hear that other voice or self-help group, hear those other voices tell you that you are not responsible for your abuse. It makes no difference what you did. You know, here's the other thing, too. A lot of us think we're, we're always busy, so busy fronting all the time, okay? I like holidays. Holidays were miserable for me always. Uh, I was going to be home more, out of school, and he was going to be drunk more. But when you're in school, what everyone always said, oh, I had a great man, I had a great time. One out of every five children today, one out of every five children is a child, an alcoholic, or a drug abuser. That's a fifth of your classroom, okay? That, that, and that's something to think about, Okay. And um, so that alone, so first off, I think the, the key is to realize you're not the only one going through this. You're not the only one who's lived through this. You're not the only one, unfortunately, who feels guilty through this. And that's why it's so important to hook up with other people like this, because they're going to nod their heads and they're going to laugh, but not laugh because they're making fun of you. Like I would say things and he said this to me, and I, it's my fault. And they would say, Steve, Steve, I did the same thing. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And I think so that's very important to undoctrinate yourself. But it's also key, and I got to say this, like I, we discussed earlier, if you're going to get involved in relationships that are abusive as you, as you get older, it's going to be harder to get unbroken. It's going to be harder to heal and stop this because you're going to have new people telling you it's your fault, it's your fault. So I got to stress that too. You know, we have a need so badly to be loved, to be accepted, just to have someone. I used to equate in my self-esteem when I had a girlfriend, I'm full. I'm, you know, when I didn't have one, uh, 
that's all wrong, man. We're supposed to be 100% on our own. And when you get in a healthy relationship, you add to each other. But that person's not supposed to rescue you. You're not supposed to rescue them. You're not really supposed to. I know it sounds nice as a writer. We complete each other. You're supposed to be complete without them. And I think that's paramount. So and don't be so desperate um, that out of the need to love, you accept unacceptable behavior. Because when you're with healthy people, I just include you, when you're with healthy people, relationships, friendships even, okay, that's where that guilt starts going away when you're because you get treated like a human being. And someone will say, how do you feel about this? What would you like to do, Steve? You know, um, so I think that's just experience in healthy relationships is healing alone. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think also having a couple of things. One, a tremendous amount of clarity about what you want in a relationship. That applies to friendship. That applies to business, career, everything. Also leveraging your boundaries, which I think is incredibly, incredibly important and not bending who you are for the sake of not only necessarily just appeasing other people, but connection, because that's immediately going to be false. Um, and then also recognizing like respect is super important. Like I, I've come to realize, like if you're telling people in your life, like you don't feel respected, you don't feel appreciated, that's probably a sign that you need to move away from that. And and I think people get so tied up in this idea that, well, you know what, they still love me so I can accept the disrespect. And, and that becomes very dangerous because the truth about it is you deserve exactly what you're willing to tolerate. And that's a hard thing to recognize. And you, and you deserve more than what you have tolerated up till now, which means that you have to hold true to your boundaries. You have to say no, you have to say yes and put yourself in a position where you take power over your life. One of the things you said that, I, that I'm really interested and curious about that loops us back to earlier in the conversation is talking about being of service. I would love if you take a couple of minutes and, and talk about why you created Together We Can Make It. Talk about the books. Talk about why you want to do. But before you do that, I would love if you could speak to the people who they contemplate being of service and yet don't do it. Because I used to be that guy, I'd be like, one of these days. And I never did until I did. And I'd love if you give some words of advice for people who are in that place as well. Sure. And I think one of the reasons people want to do it and hesitate, they think they can't do a good job. They're going to fail at it. You know, you think that I'm not worthy. This is for someone else. I'm going to mess this up. Um, someone's better than me. Someone's better than me can do this. And uh, so first off, no one's better than you. And just just jump into it. You know, just jump into it because you because the longer you hesitate, you're not going to end up doing it. You know, you'll think about it. Well, I know I could be doing some help over here, some volunteer work there. I could be doing this. I don't know. What if I mess it up? And, you know, just go into it. OK, that's number one. Don't think you are worthy. You can you can do it. It really is that simple because we learn. By the way, we learn things. I didn't I, I'm fairly well at what I do. Uh, but I wouldn't like that overnight. <laughs> you know, I mean, I had my falls and trips and like, oh, I guess I should never say that to someone who had problem. That didn't work. And we, and we learn. And that's okay. It's a journey. You know, but take the journey. Start the first steps of the journey. Okay. Um, and, and, and again, it, it's so important. Again, as far as my, my group, I love that. I, I started because the fact that I know what I went through at that age. And I know that it's, it was just so important for me to have some way to go, same time, every week, that, that's the time period. My friends know 
my business people know, don't bother. He's not going to return your phone call that night, that time. He's with his group, okay? And just to know that no matter what happens in my life, I want to create something where they know that that's going to be there for them. And whether some nights I'm annoying to them, <laughs> oh, they go Steve again, but that's okay. I've been told this. You annoy me a lot of times, Steve, you're repetitive, but I know you're there. I know you're sincere and I can rely on you. A lot of us live the lives that we live. People are unreliable, unfortunately. Our parents were, that's for sure. So um, so I would say, uh, again, I, I want to be reliable. And I want to just to let people know, in my group, another thing I do is, if, they, if they're responsible for the problem, let's say they messed up, I still love them. We, st- we all show our love for that person still, uh, because that's okay. Because unfortunately, today's times too, when someone messes up today, uh, they people abandon them. They jump ship. You know, and they need someone. I know they want someone to go where, okay, let's talk about how we don't do this ever again. We don't mess up again. But however, that being said, it's okay. We still love you. Maybe make someone's going to make a joke about it somehow. And that's what we'll all laugh with it, laugh together with the person. And I carry it throughout because we'll all know if someone's hurting, we all know to call that person during the week too or text someone. Just let them know, hey, still thinking about you. How's it going, man? Is everything going okay with you? Um, you know, just in case before the next meeting, you need to talk with me or go out and get something to eat. I'm always want to go out in the anyway. I love it. So my favorite thing to sit with a friend and just sit somewhere and eat. So I open that invitation up. And, um, so again, uh, that's one thing. And as far as my writing, I, I wanted to, it's funny. I write fiction and nonfiction, uh, and I combine them because, uh, the fiction part was since I'm a kid. It was my, it was my escape. Okay. Uh, you know, other writers sometimes give different reasons why they write because of the art, because of, you know, uh, you know, the, the talent, the art. I'm honest. I started writing, that was my escape, man. That was my fantasy world, just to get out and start writing things. Uh, but but one thing with me is um, I put myself and my characters, like no matter how fantastic the story might be, whether it's one of my science fiction books, adventure books, action drama, but the characters are so realistic because they could be children of alcoholics and victim of, victims of abuse, runaways. I put that into my characters as well to make them lovable and real. real. Now, what I've also done is I wrote, I wanted to relay my personal experiences in writing, how I bo- boosted my self-esteem up. Um, why didn't we put child abuse? Well, we get that a little bit too. Um, um, my transition, because, you know, you can't get from this, from one space to the best place right away. How to be patient with myself. Bullying. Why is someone always tend to be bullied? So what's going on with that? Um, so uh, I wrote the, the Teenage and Young Adult um, Guide, okay, Survival Handbook. And that's an insert in any of my four action novels. I put it in any. Now, why I do that? Two reasons. One is if a young person wants the handbook, okay, the teenage young adult survival handbook. If they just ask for the handbook, people, why do you want that? It puts them on the spot because it's an insert in my fiction books. They can, I just love these stories, man. Look, and, and the covers are all fiction covers. And reverse, if you want to give this information to a young person, whether you're a teacher, youth group leader, um, counselor. When I was going through all that stuff, if you just told me I have a book for you on being a child of an alcoholic or someone's thinking of suicide or maybe you're being abused or self-esteem, I would say, I don't need that. What Are you kidding me? I would walk right away from you. The fact that it's an insert inside of my fiction books. Now you can say, what's this? Oh, I know you love these kind of action stories. It's just like the movies you like to see. Yeah, that's all I ever hear in my books. These read like a great movie. And then you got, you got oh, okay, I'll read it. And you just say a prayer that while they got it, they're going to say, what's this other book inside here? And then they get the information. The key is just to get the information 
life-saving information. I also give different places they can go to for help. And number one thing is hope. The number one thing I try to accomplish even in my writing is to let them know there is always hope. This is not the end. This is not permanent. If you're willing to take the step forward and ask for help and try for help, um, that that's one of the main things theory, themes I put out in the handbook. Man, that that's so powerful. One of the things I, I want to circle back to as well here is you know you talked about suicide, and that's a, a subject that hits home for me. Uh, the Unbroken Nation audience knows about my experience with it personally and in my family. And I think that, excuse me, let me phrase that. I know that there are people listening right now who either have been in a suicidal ideation situation or attempted or know someone who's had. Unfortunately, I think that you and I both know this is an incredibly common experience for many, many people, probably more so than we ever can imagine. And and I'm wondering a, a couple of things. Were there periods, and, and yes, I understand you were young, but was there something that happened that not only changed your mind, but has helped you progress to where you are today that you've been able to hold on to that, that's kept you alive and, and in this life? And then the other part of the question is, is there something that someone can do for themselves or for others that, that may be suicidal or, or need some help right now? Yeah, so for me, Again, once I got help, okay, therapy and self-help, I was able to start experiencing some successes. See, prior to that, everything was collapsed around me. That was so I, I just figured this is always going to happen. And I was oh, by the way, I want to stress something too. I was never walking around gloom and doom. I was always cracking jokes. I need to stress that. We've had some celebrities, as we know, that were always smiling, joking around, hyper, and yet they were they either did commit suicide or tried it or thought about it. So, I mean, if you, people would want to sit with me at the lunchroom table when I was there because I was always going to do something different. I, I was So, again, if you looked at the face value of it, this kid's cracking jokes all the time. He, no way he's thinking of killing himself. But I was in such pain inside. I was in such, such pain. Dreaded going home. I dreaded turning that doorknob to go into the house. I, 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 if I could have got home later as possible, that's what I wanted to do. And um, so, again... Once I got help, you see, all of a sudden, because I shifted things in relationships, I didn't accept unaccepted behavior. I was able to get positive things half my life. I was able to accomplish things. Then it wasn't always when there's a problem, it's always going to be a sad ending. I had some happy endings. Now, I'm not saying every problem is going to result in a happy ending. But the point is, once I was able to experience, hey, you know, things can really work out. I can be happy. I can really be happy. Not 100% of the time, but happy. That took away that I'm getting out of here, thoughts of suicide, because it's never getting better, because I was able to replace it. And now when I go for things, by the way, not that I haven't had problems as an adult like all of us, believe me, things come our way. We all have our storms in our lives that hit. Uh, but the difference is, I know now, oh, come on, Steve, you know you're getting through this, just like you got through the other things. That was devastating. That was devastating. That was a loss. That, but you're getting through this loss. You're getting through this failure, whatever I interpret it as, Okay. Um, so I think now the difference to me, if you read my mind versus my old thought pattern was, oh no, no, not again. I can't do this. No, no. Versus, okay, okay. We're going to deal with this. I'm going to say a prayer right now. I'll say a Hail Mary and then get up, take a deep breath. And I always say to people, by the way, if you are in school, go to school. If you're in work, go to work. Do not stay home. The, the, the temptation is I'm not going in today. I just want to stay home and stay. In no, 
get out of that house and get with people. Get into the routine. You may not be doing the best. I remember years ago, I worked at a gym. And guys, this, this was like a powerlifting gym. These guys were incredible. And sometimes they tell the owner, I'm going home, man. My head's not going to hurt myself. He said, don't, no, 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 no. Take all the weights off the bar. Go through the routine with just the bar. And they go, what? Just the bar. These guys were, these guys were really benching four or 500 pounds. Just the bar. He says, go through your routine. Don't stop the routine because you're going to get out of it. And I take that on an emotional level. I say, go through your routine. You may not be the best in school that day, the best at work that day, the best with your friends, someone's birthday party you're supposed to go to, but just use the bar emotionally. Go through the routine. Get out of that house. Stay in that. And I follow that myself religiously, okay? And that's why stress is important, too, to be have positive people in your life. Not just, you know, because also you're hanging out with people that are drugging and drinking, that's going to make you more depressed. That's not, you know, don't go back to ex-girlfriends or boyfriends if they're abusive. That's a temptation sometimes at loneliness. But I'm saying be with people that are healthy, that are happy. So again, get out that door. Force yourself out the bed, out the door. Take that shower. Okay. Come on. Go through that routine. Get out of there and go to work. In fact, one thing I've also learned I mean, if you just, if there's a day where I, I can't be with nobody to tonight and I'm so lonely right now, or my friends aren't be around to tomorrow, get to a movie theater. I, I just go, go see it. Go see it by yourself. Or we discuss libraries. Go Because there's other people around you. You see what I'm saying? You go to a park or something to keep you busy. Be around people. Be around people. Uh, I, I can't tell you. And that's why I also mentioned to the volunteer thing. Because, you know, if, if you that, I, again, I've heard many people over the years say, Part of what holds me together, and, I, and I'm going to say this for myself, is my volunteer work. Because there are times, yeah, that little depression starts knocking on the door. You know, hey, Steve, how you been? Um, and But if I'm busy helping other people, I'm listen, I'm walking my talk now because I'm listening to myself help someone else and give them suggestions, and I start following it myself too. So I got to also say um, that that's, again, why I say giving to other people. Giving to other people and keep and just keep that in your life. It will keep you. I hate to say, kept me out of trouble, kept my self esteem up as well. Yeah, I, I love that, Stephen. I'm I'm right there with you. And uh, again, I'll just point to the fact that I mean, even today, you know, with the volunteer work I do, running the show. I mean, even if you're, you know, if you, you, people will say, well, there's COVID, you can't do things, blah blah blah, whatever. I'm like, start a podcast, do a blog, interact with people, online support groups. There's so much available for us right now. And I think that you have to be willing to have the courage to ask for help. And the only way you're going to get that is by taking that first step, right? Commit to your life, make a decision, follow through. And I, I, I want to agree with you, Steve. I understand why people take their lives. I was there. I understand it's dark. I just, I, I, like you, it's like, I didn't want to die, but I just didn't want to live anymore. And on the, the backside of that, life is so much better. And so if, if you take anything from this conversation, it's this. Know that you're not alone. Know that you're not a bad person for having these thoughts because guess what? We all do. And ultimately, if you're willing to seek help and support, it will be there for you, but you must ask for help. Steve, this has been an absolutely incredible conversation. Before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Easiest way on the website, which is powerpublishingcorp.com, powerpublishingcorpcorp.com. 
uh, not just for the books, but even for interviews, things I post, things I try, that might help someone. Okay, that's probably the easiest way to find me uh, uh, out there. Amazing. And of course, we will put that link in the show notes. Steve, my friend, my last question for you is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? For me, it means, again, let me say that word again, hope. It means faith. It means that I know I can be happy. Okay. My life doesn't always have to be a, a, a sad ending at the end of the story. Okay. Uh, being unbroken also means that I can be in relationships and be in healthy relationships and friendships. Why? Because I'm, I'm not broken anymore. Okay. And, that, and, and that's very important. And even in my success in my business, success in my writing, um, all these things uh, in my life today. In fact, I loved your, your show when I saw the name. I loved it. Because I said, boy, does that define me? Because I live a life of, when I was going up, that was broken. There's no question about it. But I live a life of being unbroken, and I'm happy to be unbroken because, again, it's happiness. And it's just faith and optimism of what more comes in the future. Beautifully said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that Unbroken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. 
And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.